0: Welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. This episode 27 we're covering chapters 3 and 4 from part 1 low of book 2, Adulthood Rights of Octavia Butler's Xenogenesis Trilogy. My name is Richard Acton and I'm joined as always by my co-host.
1: Michael Glinkham, hi everyone.
0: Hello Michael. Uh, hi. So, three quite, uh, uh, two quite large chapters this week. Uh, yes. Some uh, interesting stuff there.
1: Yes, a lot of revelation of Lilith's situation is where they are, you know, quite a lot of information about the perspective of, like, the, the silent the communication between Don Kali. There's a lot of information mm-hmm. in these chapters. Pretty, Yeah. All the sort of, like, mysteries that were set up in the previous book has be, are slowly unraveling.
0: We get a lot of the sort of um, the first-hand experience of some of the stuff that we're kind of left to wonder about for, from Lilith's perspective in, yeah. in the... Uh previous books yeah yeah yeah, yeah. A- and all from the perspective of a very young uh, child which also makes it quite interesting right because ak a- 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 is is what nine months by the end of this
1: yeah i mean <laughs> it's it doesn't feel like it though it, it feels mm-hmm. like he's already several years of, like a teenager or something yeah but yeah,
0: it seems to be uh it, like very intelligent as well as uh, uh advanced in other ways
1: but yeah i i it's, it's i i think as I mentioned earlier, this book really is um, much, I would say, more interesting. How do I put this? The first book was super interesting. But mm-hmm. uh, after reading the first book, reading this one, it puts it in perspective that, wow, there's so much more information. It's much more alien-like. right? You now We can tell, you know, we're told about all those experiences that the Onkali perceive and you know, all the perception and you know, Gina uh, reading and stuff like that. Um, but, I just had this thought that you know, reading this book. If I read this book first before reading the pro- previous one, hmm. I, I I don't know. It just feels to me like you could read the this book without, like, start reading this book before without reading the first one. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like. Ah, uh-huh.
0: yeah. I think I think I see what you mean, and I, and I think you you could, but I, I think it makes it um. Having read the the first one gives you much more of a kind of a hook into this this perspective, right? It, yes, it, it it makes you much more invested in understanding some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think if you came to it without having had the previous context, uh, it would be you know super interesting and, and alien, uh, but it wouldn't have kind of the same significance because you you've kind of had all of this stuff like teased for you at mm-hmm. length in the previous book, and now you're getting some insight into it uh, in in much more. Uh, Uh, much more sort of uh, first hand type uh, feel Um, which uh, uh, yes I I think it it, it could work both ways uh, quite well
1: it's interesting Mm. because like it's I just thought that you know this this book really puts uh, in you know Akin is the protagonist of this book and um, you know as much as I'm doting for Lilith right it feels to me that Lilith has been now pushed to the side Um, although you know in chapter four there's more of action of Lily side and she's as bad as, as she was originally but um mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know it just it felt to me like those books together like if you read one and two two is more interesting because it gives you the answers to the first one but mm-hmm. if you would judge them like separate books I think both of them start like are very very on the same level I would mm-hmm. say if you started reading from book two I think you know they're equal there's an equal. As equally interesting, uh, they're equally interesting uh, to each other. But if you're in one, by two, two is like, oh, I'm getting even more hooked about it. Yeah, I mean. yeah. I, I think
0: that it, there is some there's some world building done in one that I think would definitely help you in in uh, in getting into to two. But mm-hmm. the you could probably infer some of it from from context. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I just thought that. Hmm. i i just found it like uh, because i was saying i was like oh this is much more interesting book than one i was about to say that i may have said it before but (laughs) when i thought about it's like there's a reason why um because book one really set up the nice start and background and you know the scene like the scene has been set up for us now what Hmm. happened you know the the results of the book one we see it now
0: yeah yeah I, i think it's um because it's such a change of pace from from one bike by, by doing this sort of you know switch of protagonist switch of perspective um it really kind of reinvigorates the interest in the world um mm-hmm. because it has that that fresh view on it
1: absolutely but maybe on that note mm-hmm. let's uh start with my prediction chapter three predictions yes. so i the last chapter uh, uh, i thought that maybe um we will learn more about like because the chapter to finish on still about showing the perspective Akin's perspective on things, mm. you know, all those things he was learning. And I thought maybe that um this chapter will give us even further insight on the how Onkali or the Onkali human constructs, as they're called in the books, um perceive things, right? Like the more details on the uh, I thought initially it was more about the, the gene reading than uh, more than the, like, um, as the book described, the silent communication and stuff like that. So
0: hmm. Yeah, I think the um we kind of got a little bit of the their kind of microscopic senses almost, as it were, in, in the first one. But now mm-hmm. we're moving a little bit more onto the kind of uh, the way in which they use their senses in an into more interpersonal context. Yes. Uh, so it's yes, less yes. about the kind of abstraction. Um,
1: uh, yes. Yeah. So, shall we begin? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, chapter 3 um, starts with Akin's perspective on his other family members. Um, first, we have actors uh, on, uh, on the board, tall and broad. She's always felt um, enjoyment carrying him and pleasure when she was connecting to him. She was the first person to reach to him with more than simple emotions, showing him multi-sensory images and signalling pressures and help him understand without speaking words. Thanks to her, um, Akin understood that Nikanj and Dichan also did this. Nikanj much, much earlier, where even when um, Akin was still in Lilith's womb. I just also showed Akin the girl that's um, growing her, and you know, he, we are told that Akin can, thanks to the, all those conversations, understood the differences between male, female, and the Uloi. Um, mm-hmm. Although, when he questioned Archas about the baby in her, if there's any chance of her being an Uloi, Dichan, and she would always say that there is no chance. Which is interesting, don't you think? Like,
0: hmm. Yeah, so they, they seem... I mean, in the previous chapter, they expressed concern about human-born males, um, and uh, I imagine they may have a similar thing with the Uloi. Perhaps... You know, maybe- Uh, construct Uloi at Mm -hmm. all um, might be a concern for them uh, given how...
1: It's interesting you mentioned that because in the book so far we only have the human male... Sorry, human females... human Onkali females uh, construct and then we have the Onkali construct males but there's nothing about Uloi at all Mm. mentioned so I wonder if it's because the Uloi will always stay as an Onkali or is it because... The boundary is now sort of blending one way or another.
0: Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh well, you mean, do know, but do you it, don't want to say. Uh, <laughs> 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 yes, uh, so I'll, I'll uh, uh, say no more on that point for now. Oh, come on,
1: <laughs> such a tease! But
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, we we know here that Ahajus uh, is uh, is pregnant with another child. Yes. Uh, so it seems like they're they're reproducing quite a lot. Uh, mm. Lois yes. family
1: yes yes um, it's interesting because later on we get the really interesting news about the whole um, siblings akin siblings and the whole family but we'll get to the mm. um, actually we'll get it almost now um, so and then we have um, uh, the book um, uh, goes into description of Dityan uh, that Dechan would teach akin about strangers his older siblings first the siblings born of arches and Dechan becoming more human and siblings born of Lilith becoming more onkali there were also children of other older siblings uh, and unrelated people who were more like Lilith than Joseph and Dechan proceeded to explain that uh talking about the evolution of humans resulting from centuries of inbreeding, mutation, and adaptation, to different environments, and um, he tells him that actually um, he will eventually meet his father's people, the Chinese, when he grows older, as their village is southwest. He also tells him that one day he will take him to the ship, and this is when I finally realized that actually this whole, all these events are taking place on Earth, um, yeah, yeah. and. We are definitely talking about several years after the events of Book One because we have older siblings, so those kids must be several years old now. So Lilith mm-hmm. and the rest are living somewhere in a, vi- in a village down on Earth. Uh, and there must be some villages of humans or human-onkali villages throughout the world.
0: Yeah, so that's just kind of uh, you know, slipped in as part of this. We get the, that uh, reveal that we are in fact on Earth, and not just in a, uh, an, another one of those simulated rainforests
1: um yeah uh, i i thought maybe that this you know in my previous predictions of like where we'd be you know the time skip um there was uh i said that maybe we'll be still on the ship when lilith is nice and pregnant which was mm. well lilith being pregnant was correct but that was not her first pregnancy when i thought which i thought of you know is it... yes so
0: i think a little bit of a fake out on the uh uh pregnancy situation there, yeah just to switch you out for a later one it's, <laughs> it's
1: interesting how much like this the thing about these books like and this is what we've talked about before is the fact that mm. uh olive um, octavia butler um jumps between like the time passes sometimes you know it's weeks sometimes months and this time it's years have passed so
0: yeah yeah she does do quite a lot of time jumps actually um which is i mean some people really don't like time jumps um but I mean,
1: it's it depends on the context,
0: right? It works sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Because
1: you know, there's one thing about you know, like when there's nothing that's happening to the character, you don't really need to describe their everyday life. You know, like oh, I went to the toilet, I brushed my teeth, I had breakfast, and you know, day Mm. by day the same thing, right? Um, And we know that Lilith was, for example, struggling in with you know, you know, getting accustomed to the whole uncanny human life. Um, yeah yeah but i mean
0: the the one that did kind of uh sit a little bit weird with me was the one where um uh lilith has, has gone off to do like the rainforest training for mm-hmm. like a year and spends a bunch of time with Nikanj and Ahajas and dishana well, we don't really see that cuz ah, they yes, know, they, yes. they develop kind of a, a relationship in that uh in that intervening period and then she's you know stuck in the the room with the the new humans um, and then there's kind of a, a sort of a process of revealing to the reader some of the stuff that went on when she, you know, when in that time skip. Yes. But, uh, yeah. No. I agree never on really that. We really get the full picture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We we we're never told about like the whole um, life, Lilith's life yeah, with Nikanj and Ajay and Dichan. Um, mm. which I think would be very interesting on how they like get accustomed to each other, right? But. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess the way the author was describing this was more of like you know Lilith was accepted to the family and she is their family and you know that that's the end of the story, right? Like no matter what Mm -hmm. happens, it's um, she's part of them.
0: I think perhaps it also helped to put us a little bit more in the perspective of the new humans. Yes. Um, Because it uh, we we have this. it serves as a device to to put a gap between the the reader's experience um, of, um, of of Lilith's you know, experience with with Owen Carly, right mm-hmm. So the, we now, now we've had this year of time when we don't know what um, what's been happening between her and that gives us some distance so we can see it from the perspective of the new humans that the, this woman is kind of you know uh, slightly alien to us as yes. well as uh, yes. as well as the aliens uh-
1: <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So having thought that over now, I think maybe the time skip actually had a, a useful function. <laughs> well,
1: yes, but I think like sometimes that the lack of like description of the time skips because there were some chapters that we we are uncertain whether it's like a few weeks or months have passed, right? Mm. Which were a mm. bit confusing. And also considering the fact that Lilith, um, you know, she couldn't tell really the time passing, mm. right? And considering that she, her lifespan is now as incredibly expanded, so it mm. sort of showed to like that it didn't matter for her if there was a time skip, but like you no know, time passes for her like differently to normal humans. But it's still mm. it's easier to put it in perspective how much time passed for everyone, right? It's easier to put mm. in this mm. way. But anyway, I just thought that it was interesting that finally we can we it was revealed where exactly we are.
0: Yeah, uh, so the the Oinkar they probably don't mark time quite as um. Externally, as we do, yeah, uh, they probably have some kind of ridiculously reliable, um, like circadian clock that they can just <laughs> refer to at any time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know but, what the time is, possibly no, like, for, um, yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, but the thing is, is like the measuring time is super important for us, and I think, I think in any species, the measurement of time, um, is crucial for in anything, like in any science development or culture development it's crucial right because when you think about it um this is a bit of tangent but like every era of so of some sort right always has this like from you know this year blah 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 150 of you know this and this age right or something like for example you know we mm-hmm. have ad uh, bc right most of them muslim populations are using a different time in japan for example you have every emperors um, like not only they're using adbc but also use um emperor's life so you have like the emperor yeah. blah blah and you have like year 73 of emperor's you know reign or something mm. this particular mm. so every country or every nation every population every tribe every community measures the time somehow right so i also imagine that the onkali also have this and any other species and you know alien species in the universe would also measure their time in one way or another because it helps to put perspective and it's important culturally right if you think Mm. about it because it like you know it unites the 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 world and stuff like that and the the communities and stuff like that so i don't know it just puts me in perspective that like although the onkali don't measure the time like as such um, there has to yeah, be some a, sort of measurement
0: I mean yeah they, they must do to to you know, do some of the stuff they do but uh, it does seem like they, I mean, they we don't know a great deal about their kind of civilizational structure right I mean it, yes. the ability to kind of mark time in a unified fashion across like a nation state I suppose is a you know, that's important for like uh, the effectiveness of an industrial economy but they, they don't really seem to have An industrial economy they have like a some kind of a collective i think it's uh, i think of it as a collective hive mind
1: basically like they're all individual but it's a hive mind and because of the fact Mm. that it's a ship that is traveling Mm. through space you know for thousands of years maybe the the measurement of time is not as important because the the life is just Mm. one the the length of the life is much slower, like longer, so it's it, the pres- mm. perception of time is much slower, I would say,
0: and their their organization seems to be almost more like um, like eusocial insects or something right yes. They have this kind of um you know they're, they're made up of individual sentient in uh, sort of soul members, and they have this ability to you know do high level uh, thought and decision making uh, somewhat collectively, but their their organization seems to be more biological right uh-huh. and you know ants don't need to keep time or termites don't need to keep time to do the kind of engineering tasks that they do uh despite the fact you know a termite mound is it has some really astonishing engineering features for like mm, cooling and so on but uh it's just kind of self-organized and it seems like our and carly society is kind of a bit like that so maybe they don't need as rigorous a timekeeping setup as we do because they some of their Collective activities are less artificial. I guess uh, so. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, hard to say.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, but back to the chapter, I guess. Um Chan mm. tells us more about the ship. I think it's this one is also very interesting. Uh, part of the book it tells us more about mm. what the ship is. the um, Chan goes proceeds to describe the ship to Akin. Alive, vast sphere made sphere made up of huge. Still growing, many-sided plates like the shell of a turtle. Uh, there are onkali that will never come to Earth or trade with humans. For now, they tend to the ship in the ways that requires a different physical form, resembling a caterpillar. It's an adult onkali that cannot talk. It communicates in images and tactile, bioelectric or bio- and bioluminescent signals, pheromones and gestures. It can gesture with ten lips at once, but it cannot speak and it's deaf. It needs to live in places where there's a great deal of noise. And we are told that Dichan's uh, grandparents had that shape. Um mm. Akin sort of felt sorry for them, but Dichan tells him that that they're very close to the ship. They're this natural as natural as you know form a- Akin's form is. And they're its companions helping, helping the ship and communicating with it. And one day once Akin is older, Dichan will help him communicate with it as well. So this was what I thought very interesting because we're told more about the ship. It's a sphere, which makes sense because it's probably the most energy efficient um, uh, uh, shape for an organic Mm. being. And then that there are some pure onkali, I would say, that will not trade and preserve the species' pureness, right? But this is what one thing is like. One, we have this caterpillar um, onkali that will just tend to the ship. Mm. uh but also like i it felt to me that they have this pure species of like pure species that will never trade so that sort of pits like i don't know if i'm correct but like um if humans i think
0: i think it's probably one of those situations where they're not like directly into breeding with but they will kind of end up with some gene flow between the populations eventually like a ring species um
1: i mean it's just it, so... the way it was described it felt that like you know there is this population of Onkali that is pure, that will never change. And then, um, whilst the trading species doesn't have this privilege to have, you know, their own species preserved in one way or another. So,
0: okay, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little unclear on whether or not um, these are like sort of pure Onkali, such or if such a thing still exists, mm. because it seems like. I mean, they're related from, from what we got in the first book, like all the Oankali, including the ship itself are kind of related to one another yes. and have a heritage going all the way back to their kind of first world. Um, and there is kind of between basically all those populations, there is some degree of, of gene flow. Uh, but they, t- because of that whole, um, like splitting into three populations where there's the, the, the new ship that goes off, um, uh, uh, sort of sprouting from from an existing ship. Yes. There's the existing ship that carries on, and then there's the the new population that does the trade. Uh, and it seems like the existing ship still takes some of the like samples from the the um, population that they're breeding with, mm-hmm. but maybe doesn't make extensive use of them. So there's some kind of a you know preservation method to keep you know, a fork that remains uh, in the the ancestral form as it were in case something doesn't work out in the new fork as it were mm, and I then guess you've so. got the these two other forks where you've got the kind of more experimental version which is the the sort of heavily crossbreeding ones where they're producing a ship down on the planet eventually to leave and then there's the 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 sort of daughter ship that's uh, going off with with a mix of people from both populations so you've got like three three versions right you've mm-hmm. got the conservative one you've got like the experimental faction and then you've got like the middle ground uh, all three that kind of go off uh, from from when they have a, a you know an intersection with another population so it seems like they have this sort of, approach to managing the risk of integrating new genetics so it might well be the same um sort of within those individual forks right the there are subpopulations like the the creatures that will, well our creatures the the individuals uh, that will tend to the ship mm-hmm. presumably that's a you know that's a critical function right that's a a thing you really don't want like new beta code in there that might screw something up right that's the sure, sure. it's running the old true and tested stuff yes yeah, like um, no
1: um airplanes running on dos basically and all the operating system is being still run on floppy disk because everybody is too scared <laughs> to update anything
0: yeah I mean that may or may not actually be a good idea but <laughs> yeah that that general spirit right the uh, keep it running on the thing that we know works
1: exactly <laughs> so yeah I just thought it was interesting part that we learned there's actually not just male and female and uloy on Kali but there's this fourth sort of i think the final form maybe not uh gender but a final form of Don Kali that basically tends to the ship
0: hmm. and i, I think it, i don't know if this is the only other such caste as it were of oankali it seems like there there might be others who are kind of specialized in their particular form to specific functions i guess so, so. I mean we've got the these ship tenders we've got the ship itself we've got the the more ordinary oankali um
1: I guess so, maybe let's see, uh, you know, I mean, like, it's hard to tell a- at the moment, because, you know, like, even that, um, those discs that the uh, Onkali were using to travel around, those, like, slimes, at this oh, yeah, at yeah. this yeah. point, it's hard to tell which was Onkali, which is not, because the, the genetic uh, modifications, although they mm. are used as a tools, I feel like, in the same time, they're organic beings, so it might be, like, there's part mm. of the collective society at the different sort of, as you said, casts or levels, I would say.
0: I mean, they're, they're kind of like, they're part of the ecosystem in the sense that they're like um, symbiotic species yes. that are yeah. kind of related in some sense, uh, like, I don't know, the commensal bacteria in our gut or whatever right they have a similar kind of relationship and there may even be a little bit of gene exchange between those populations through through various forms of Mm -hmm. lateral transfer where you know some some bacteria picks up a little bit of human dna or we integrate some little bit of dna from from them at some point right you get a little bit of that occasionally and that that um that same kind of relationship exists there but it seems like there are not very many like fully sentient intelligent oankali casts beyond these ship tenders I think is is mm-hmm. um, the kind of fully oncar still sort of capable of their normal reproduction but also having a specialized function
1: I guess uh, also the yeah. fact that the new cast is being born basically the human onkali construct cast in a way which will mm-hmm. also be separated in probably different forms but um like the ship creators you know they was stay in earth and will travel further in the space but I guess it's a later stage we will maybe be told about about this.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean maybe there'll be uh, new specialisms to which this uh, the the new possibilities from from human interbreeding mm-hmm. uh, might be suitable for. So yeah. who knows. Who
1: knows. But yeah. Back to the chapter. Um this constant talk of, you know, people telling a king they will show him or do something to get with a king later, it really frustrates him. Um you Know he, he, his intelligence and his uh aptitude to learning is so is accelerating, I would say. And hmm. he wants to learn more, but maybe considering the, his age, it's still uh, unreasonable to um to do certain things.
0: Yeah, he seems uh pretty voraciously curious about more or less everything, yeah, and uh, <laughs> frustrated by the fact that people are not sort of uh, satisfying his curiosity yes. as much as he wants,
1: willing to say, yeah, true. Uh, but we introduced a new person, uh, we're introduced, introduced to Margit, is that correct pronunciation, Margit? I believe so, yeah. Uh, one of his older sisters. She was six years old, to, uh, too small to carry him, but still would try or sometimes carry him on her back. Um, she did not have the sensory tentacles like her Onkali born sisters, so she was the human-born, so it's Lilith's daughter. Uh, born from Lilith, but she had clusters of sensitive nodules that would probably be tentacles when she grew up. Uh, when she grows up, and she would, she could match some of these to the smooth, invisible, invisible sensory patches on on his skin, and the two of them could exchange images and emotions as well as words. She could teach him. Um, that's mm-hmm. what the book says, and. Yeah. We're told from Margit's perspective about, about the humans. So Margit warns Akin about his perception. She notices that Akin sometimes doesn't use his vision. Specifically, his eyes do not track, even though he should, be. He should because humans expect to be looked at when you talk to them. It makes Margit very mad, because some humans will ignore you because they think you're ignoring them, and warns him that just wait until you get past the stage when they try to talk stupid to you. It makes her mm. mad that, and she isn't sure which is worse, the ones that cringe when she touches them, or they pretend it's all right but cringe inside. And Akin should mm. be. Mm hmm.
0: Okay, so this is a, it's quite an interesting um, feature that they have. There's a couple of things I just wanted to kind of pull out mm-hmm. there that we have these, um, like, more Oankali like or more human like children. Yes, and the fact in, is, the... as they're initially born, right? But then. They like they have the potential to go more the other way after their metamorphoses.
1: Yes, so in the book tells us a bit later, I think that um, that's exactly what happens. The onkali born um, uh, constructs um, are more onkali like, but potentially changed towards human more more human like when they go undergone metamorphosis, and vice versa, the humans. Mm. born from humans the human onkali construct from born from humans have this tendency to become more onkali like when they um yeah. grow up so it's interesting that, that, that there's this yeah. sort of like
0: reverse I mean, presumably it's for ease of gestation by the respective species right potentially <laughs> so potentially you have yes. an initial development that's more like the uh the the native version as it were then then change subsequently mm. but uh yeah this is a this whole thing of being able to exchange information information directly right this almost like not quite telepathic but uh, so, sort of like that you know this ability to just transmit like images and feelings mm-hmm. to one another. that's mm-hmm. a, a a super interesting capability.
1: And the fact is that akin that the, there are some light sensitive patches on his body that he can observe mm-hmm. the environment without even looking or using his eyes. It's yeah. It's fantastic. Like it's, it's incredible that.
0: I mean, that's an interesting one because it's like it, getting like good visual acuity requires lensing, right? This is one of the universals that you see in evolution crop up over and over oh, again. absolutely. Right? The eye has evolved several independent, several times independently, specifically because like getting a, a clean focused image of your environment is just it's like. It, it, in order to do that, you need to have something that resembles an eye. Uh, yes, exactly. You need something
1: so, that will focus the light coming to to your, basically, where the receptors yeah. are, so that you get as much information, the resolution is as high as possible, so you can distinguish the the details. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the light patches might be something like more of a, um, a but You start movement. with like
0: a light-sensitive patch, and then you get a pit, because you can start to do some uh, direction of the light by having just an opening and then that becomes a lens to do focusing like so you always you always get the same pattern because the pressure is the same every time but it means that you end up with this kind of weird uh like in in this case it seems odd that that um from from that perspective that that he's able to like do as good a job effectively with like other parts of his body as he can with his eyes although i suppose maybe it's just because his eyes are not um his like, ability to focus is not fully developed in his eyes yet because it takes a little while for babies to get that. That's
1: potentially one reason. But on. I guess maybe it's yeah. more of the fact that although he can perceive where the beings are, it doesn't mean that he has to focus on them, right? It's just like, True. you know, I know who's talking to me because I can see them with my body, right? So I don't have to really turn on them. I know how they look. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that sort of perspective, right? And conversation. Like... um.
0: Supercharged peripheral vision
1: uh, basically like you no know, just like you know if I just I'm imagine more of like an owl just twisting its head 360 degrees just like you know looking at you and then like you know but you know that he, someone's there right so I feel mm-hmm. like it's more of like the perception of movement um sort of mm-hmm. thing um and rather than like a proper visual perception as we experience it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't. Have we have we ever drawn a parallel to James Cameron's Avatar for some of this? Uh, oh, I'm sure we did. Like, I'm sh- I don't know if we've done that yet.
1: But <laughs> I feel like we must have at some point.
0: <laughs> it feels like it should have come up somewhere. Yeah, but it does seem a bit like that. This whole kind of ability to like uh, plug into other people's sensory systems.
1: <laughs> Blue alien sex with ten- with the. With the-, with the- <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not gonna go there. um so, yeah, like we're told about Margaret that she has these patches of like nodules on her body, and her body is a bit gray, and that's what makes people, um, what make, makes people more talk about her all the time. Like, she, um, mm. um as, as humans describe it, she's gray and warty, and that's at, uh, because of her sensory modules and because of her mm. sensitive, like the, the extra sensory perceptions. And we're told that she can, like, Listen to the whispers of human whispers, even though she's not trying to. And all the conversations Mm. she's hearing or she's around is that, you know, like how she looked and how awful and, you know, some people laughed. And and it just feels to me like, yeah, humans are assholes um, on this perspective and and they never Mm. change. But the fact is that, like, it's incredible the fact that she can perceive all that information.
0: Yeah, the humans are just kind of, they're they're very sort of miscalibrated about the the capabilities of these, uh, Oankali construct children, because, you know, they're, they're clearly considerably more, uh, intelligent and kind of self-aware than an ordinary human child of that age would be. And of course then they have these, you know, additional sensory capabilities. So it's, uh, they, they, there isn't, like, a, a well-developed etiquette. There isn't an understanding of, of what they're capable of and thus, like, what respect and different treatment they're due. They, they're just kind of... They're applying their human children knowledge to these Oankali oh, human constructs to which it does not apply.
1: Uh, but, I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of understandable because our brains are... Any sort of deviation of the normal, as I would say, right, is often, like, our brain is just like, oh this is wrong right like it's it's not even like we had this conversation before that we look at things and even though we don't want to stare our brain is just trying to compute what is going on because it doesn't match the Mm -hmm. usual patterns recognition patterns that we are like evolved to right Mm -hmm. with right it's usually just a matter of like survival you know like we do it because Mm -hmm. Like, if there's any danger associated with, like, potentially you know, to us, if we see something like this, right? Any scars and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So, it's, in a way, we it's... have
0: expectations, they're violated, then it throws up an, you know, anomaly detection alarm. Yeah, basically, so... Double take.
1: I, would, I <laughs> yeah. wouldn't say it's, in a way, it's like, um in a lot of times, I would say it's a, a bad thing. But the bad thing is, you know, gossiping and talking shit because it's somebody, somebody's back, right? That's the other thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. another completely different matter. So, but it's, yeah. it's.
0: Especially when it's um it's laid bare by the fact that they can hear everything exactly. you're saying. Exactly. You, and
1: you, the fact that, it's, you know, it's <laughs> that we know the Onkali human constructs will look different. So mm-hmm. it's just, the, I guess it's the humans are still not used to the differences. Like, we there's no, like, set patterns of like what potentially could be different about this child and the, the answer is we never know
0: mm-hmm. yeah these are all pretty new um pretty unique capability sets and in individuals uh, so it's uh yeah the, the, there is no established expectation anymore yes uh.
1: um but we t- were told a very interesting information about this the margita uh, market her full name is margita iapo domonkos Karl Nicanch Leo, uh, so she had all four of his of her living parents in common with Akin. Her human father, mm-hmm. though though was Vidor Domonkos, also known as Victor, who moved away when yep. he when he and Lilith got tired of one another, and we're told that Victor does come visit two or three times a year to see Margaret, although he doesn't like how Margaret looks. He still loves her, which is incredibly interesting. It means that Lilith had mm-hmm. another partner. And from the, I dug out from the previous book, the description of Victor. So, Victor hmm. Dominic or Vitor Domonkos. Parents moved from Hungary, moved uh, uh, to US before he was born. 170 centimeters, tall, 63 kilograms, missing three fingers on his left hand because of an accident with a lawnmower. Intelligent, talkative, understandably suspicious of unseen questioners, and very creative at lying at them to them. Married three times but no children, always blamed the wives, but never checked himself. He never broke down or cried, but once very calmly said that once he has the chance he will kill his captors. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Which is an an interesting choice for a second. Yeah. Time, like, I mean like
1: remember. I remember when um Lilith was picking up people, she wanted to wake up and I remember Victor was not on the list of to be awakened, right?
0: Hmm. I I think so, yeah.
1: So for me it's absolutely um interesting that she actually partnered up with him but in the same time it seems that like they got uno- tired of each uh, of one another so and then he moved away so
0: i guess yeah maybe it didn't work out quite as well as uh, not as good a match uh, as, as previously yeah. perhaps
1: but the fact is that mm. the fact is that you know he promised that he'll kill his captors and uh, we had this conversation about him that he seems mm. to be like Quiet, but you know, quiet but deadly, and who knows what he may do.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that uh, that aspect of his character is, is perhaps one of the more interesting ones to reflect um, what it may say about how Lilith was feeling about the Oankali, right? Yeah. As if uh, his uh, his attitude was kind of uh, no, will ca- kill kill his captors when he gets the chance, right? But is is seeming somewhat willing to play the long game, although he's kind of tipped his hand there. <laughs> yeah but... Uh,
1: it's yeah. it's interesting that, like, for me, it was like, wow, okay, Lilith. Interesting, because... Mm. um, But I, I wonder, because now, I mean, I guess Lilith, you know, and, like, they, they chose each other, right, in a way. Mm. um At least I hope it is, and knows, like, Nikan's trying to, like, make her think that she needs another partner for more children or something, but I
0: don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we, we don't really get much detail of how that came about because here.
1: Because the thing is, Akin is... Joseph's right so this is what I'm a bit confused about now it just came to my mind so last oh. book at the very end um, Nikanj tells um, Lilith that he made her pregnant um, because he has Joseph's sperm and he can you know make, and he can't store it for that long now we know that Margaret is uh, he, she had daughter mm. at the time right we confirmed that in the previous book that she was pregnant with a th- uh, with a daughter Yes, and we're told now that there are several siblings and that Margaret is six years old so meaning that before Akin uh, was planned there's several years, we're That's talking several years have passed so that meaning that Nikanj must have stored that information for quite a long time that the sperm or whatever, the genetic material Um, and we know that Akin's father is Joseph because we were told in this book that you know, Nikan showed him the feeling, the touch, the taste and like how mm-hmm. Joseph was. So
0: yeah, we got that in the, the, the last chapter So
1: I feel like that. either Nikan lied to Lilith or that like the fact that he can store that information is actually much more like the genetic material is much more longer than we ante- that he he meant to or we uh, we uh, extrapolated from that conversation.
0: Yeah, I so I mean the oncologists the very rarely do that kind of direct lying thing. So I'm guessing that he kind of misled her in that um maybe uh preserving the sperm's a problem but preserving a fertilized egg is not maybe um the use of um like I can't do it for long is a um like you know how long is that actually in, in Oankali terms? Yeah, right? it, it might well mean a considerably longer period of time than, than is indicated exactly. by its use in that context. Yeah, It, it could have been like, you uh, can't
1: put it for long, but in the Oankali perspective, it's like years or decades, right? Uh, whereas, yeah. you know, uh, we thought it might be weeks or something,
0: right? So. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it, it may also just be, you know, the uh, Octavia changed her mind about how exactly she wanted this to play out in the new book and had to retcon a couple of little tweaks. Maybe. But, you know, she, it, was, it was open enough that you could probably work that in.
1: Potentially, <laughs> potentially. It could be the fact that, as you said, maybe um, Nikanj kept, you know, like, uh, kept some of the sperm or the also or the fertilized eggs somewhere and, like, preserve them mm. for longer right stop their development and then when he finally decided to give uh, Lilith a boy um, he then uh, allowed for the you know implanted in Lilith and then allowed her to get uh, to develop the, the embryo I don't know it, it, but it just feels mm-hmm. like there is a bit of this gap in there that I feel like um, that is not explained well in here yeah
0: yeah I just left a little bit uh, open to interpretation
1: yeah Let's finish off the chapter, I guess. Because um, it's the really end of mm. the chapter 3. So, uh, Akin asks uh, if he could meet Vidor. But Margit tells him that he doesn't like being probed. And he allowed it only once to her. Ha- he can be dangerous as all of the other humans. And that's when Margit sent uh, Akin a complex image. Humans were compelling, seductive, deadly contradictions. Uh, but Akin didn't understand. So Margit told him to speak to Nicanor or Lilith. Um, and... The chapter ends with Margaret pointing out that Akin is getting heavier, and hopefully he'll walk by himself soon. She then returned him to Lilith mm. who've had him uh, some solid food now but although he preferred nursing he didn't want to grow up old enough to stop nursing. And that's where the chapter ends. Mm. Who doesn't love boobies? That's, that's you know, like <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh Yep. <laughs> there we go. That's an interesting way of putting it, but... <laughs> A very direct,
1: and... Um... <laughs> now, obviously, mm. from Akin's perspective, it's more of, like, probing Lilith and understanding her, like, the cells and the gene, gene material and stuff like that, so...
0: Yeah, I, I think it also puts to, it helps to put his kind of his age back in perspective, mm. right? It, it, it's still, like, he's... he's well, he's nine uh, months old, but, so... Yeah, he's, like, he's still nursing, but... um well, he's still nursing, but he has the... He has sufficient, like uh self-image and like uh um sort of higher cognitive models of stuff that he can reflect on the fact that he doesn't want to grow old enough to stop nursing <laughs> so it's like <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird contradiction that yeah, right? he's got the it is. uh both young and like uh old in the mental sense at the same time
1: it's a nice contradiction i would say there's a lot of people you meet like that where like they behave they're obviously adults but they have like childlike uh character and then you have like you know teenagers who want to be adults and become become serious and i i think it's like a lot of time uh but akin is like a very extreme i would say version of that yeah
0: yeah it's uh it, um, i mean there's there's a bunch of science fiction with kind of you know young young kids who are like way more intelligent than they uh, like than makes sense for their age i mean thinking of like um ender's game mm-hmm. um harry potter and the methods of rationality i mentioned that one way back at the beginning of this podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah, as yeah. one of our inspirations yeah we've got the sort of the slightly the more advanced intelligent for the age characters um uh but yeah this is a particularly extreme example because like nine months old is <laughs> uh, very young to be uh having that kind of cognitive capacity
1: mm, mm, absolutely it's just funny like the, the ending was funny that he didn't want to grow old enough to stop nursing
0: mm, yeah kind of endearing I yeah.
1: think yeah um, but I, I feel like it's understandable because he uses his tongue to understand the like the the connection right to make the connection and hmm. understand the, the body so it, it makes sense that he he wouldn't want to stop, especially considering how fascinating he finds Lilith, that the whole, her body, the genes, that, the, as as Margit said, they're like, humans are compelling, seductive and deadly contradiction, right? So that's what, you know, mm. really makes him want to continue. And he knows that he cannot do it a lot of time because Margit warns him about, like, his tongue, that it's grey and he, he shouldn't be showing it much to humans because humans will... um. Like mm. will feel uncomfortable about it, he looks human enough at the moment, so he shouldn't make them um more concerned that that that's than necessary,
0: yeah, yeah, and I, I we have this kind of interesting re- reversal in the power dynamic between the humans and the Owen Carly here because we've got these these like young Owen Carly construct kids who are very physically vulnerable to like uh, humans becoming violent so it puts them in, like a at a disadvantage mm-hmm. i mean whilst you know the, the Owen Carly in the grand scheme of things still have like the the civilizational scale power because they're the ones who still have you know all the the high technology and are manipulating the whole situation but like the, there are plenty of individual kids here effectively who are in vulnerable relationship to these uh human adults
1: no i it, and, uh, i agree it's just the fact, the fact is that um, and the fact is that the onkali are trying to breed out the the sort of aggressiveness from the humans in a way, mm-hmm. which also puts the kids in a very um, peculiar position because we don't know if they have this sort of poisonous um, stinger as the actual onkali have to defend themselves, mm-hmm. but um, and we know they're like g- becoming less and less making them less, aggressive so the chance of them defending themselves like is reduced and the fact that they're using um and you know it's easier to spot them
0: yeah they're physically marked as, as different exactly. by their appearance so yeah yeah and it's, it's a real sort of uh contrast from the previous book where you know having the oankali view the humans as dangerous just doesn't seem that uh there's not a, a, a common angle right i mean they're kind of treated with a certain amount of caution but not really considered particularly dangerous in any meaningful sense right there the oankali have that physical advantage they're stronger they're faster they have the stingers and you know the humans are always kind of in a relatively vulnerable position um excepting when you know there's that sort of skirmish with the axe but that didn't last long right uh, yeah it's uh
1: i feel like if Don Kali uh, wanted they could genetically modify some animal from the earth and just make it like faster stronger and then basically unleash horde against the humans basically be like bye-bye end of it you know like
0: I mean, they could release a plague that would just kill all the humans, right? Uh, even, yeah,
1: even simpler. I mean, it like, depends on like, <laughs> yeah. how mentally messed up you are. But there you go. You're the mm. efficient one, I'm the messed up one. Where, you know, like, unleashing <laughs> <literally laughs> beasts on them while you're like, yeah, let's just kill them with a virus. There we go. <laughs> Everyone, now you can tell yeah. what type of c- characters we <laughs> yeah. have.
0: Yeah, so character insights from uh, methods of hypothetical mass murder. <laughs> I don't know about this one. <laughs> wow, like,
1: this should be a psychological test. Like, how would you mass murder humans?
0: With uh, a rusty spoon. It's like the Rorschach test. Just, you know, <laughs> creepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: man. <laughs> anyway, mm. let's move on. Okay. I guess. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. All yep.
0: well, you Plague ink players out there, we're watching you. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: um, so, I would guess my chapter 4 prediction is actually interesting because I forgot to mention that in the end of the chapter 3 Lilith promises Akin that she will take him to a forest and I thought maybe, maybe there will be something happening in the forest, you know, like she takes him somewhere and they meet another human or a you know those, because we know there are some strange modified animals now that they were made modified by Onkali to survive the radioactive Holocaust on Earth. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe there might be some like action or a keen's perspective on like how uh, the how different the world is.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well that, that that was pretty accurate. We did get a little bit of a uh, little bit of that kind of stuff. Mm. Encounter with another human. Yeah. Some some action. Some- breaking of a, a bow a
1: heavy bow just like like a twig yeah mm. it's scary damn Lilith is scary mm. but anyway let's start with the chapter <laughs> so um so we start with the description of the village where lilith and the rest of the humans are, and Onkali live um we're told about more of like the position where there's like gardens where they're growing some veg- uh, fruits and vegetables and basically food and there's um We're told that Lilith took Akin to one of the village gardens some distance upriver from the village. And, Mm. um, you know, Akin enjoyed the the walk because there were new sounds, smells and sights and Lilith would often stop to and allow Akin to touch and taste the new things or let him memorize deadly things. And interestingly, he soon discovered that his fingers were sensitive enough to actually taste which plants were harmful and I think it's fascinating that he would be able to like taste something like good or bad in it Uh, but Liv then says it's a good talent but he should be careful because there's some things that could cause harm when touched
0: yeah yeah I'm not sure I want to be able to taste with my fingers (laughs) there's there's some stuff I want to be able to do with my fingers where I don't really want to have to taste what I'm I'm handling
1: yeah I mean mean, like you know the filthy (laughs) things humans sometimes do or touch it just makes you think like yeah probably not better not to taste things with you know like with your fingers
0: at the very least I want an off switch Yeah.
1: yeah it's like the it's like the joke when you know two guys meet a genie and one of them runs in front of the other one, and says, I want him, my friend to have taste buttons. Wrecked rectum. Right? So, it just feels like that, basically. You know, anything that goes in our hands and we touch a lot of things would be very... Ugh. Disgusting. Mm. So, I, I guess, like... But if you touch something and you can taste, like, oh, actually, this could be dangerous to me, right? So, I think it's pretty... Um, if it's just that, like, dangerous or not, you know, one or mm-hmm. zero uh, input, then I guess it would be pretty... Um, like, for example, you taste a bit of bitterness, or you don't taste anything, yeah, right? Yeah. Then then that'll be really useful survivability trait.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. Although it seems like um, he is still making explicit effort to memorize specific things that are poisonous and are not. So it's uh, there seem to be some limits mm-hmm. to that. Uh, but yeah, definitely a useful cue to be able to, uh, yeah. to have available.
1: But we're told a bit more about the nature as well, because... Uh, you know Lilith tells that you know he should be careful with the, some of the plants because uh, when he touched because they can cause harm and she said she will show them to him next time when they cool them um, because apparently there's some like um maybe f- through the oncoming modification or the radioactivity um, some of the plants mutated and maybe like I don't know poison ivy or something is spreading much faster than they you, do mm-hmm. you usually or something similar to that. That basically they need to just kill, like weed out all of those plants before um, uh, mm-hmm. each, yeah, probably every to, season or something.
0: Hmm. Yeah, pre- presumably just to make their um, planting area where they're cultivating stuff they're going to eat you know, safe to to walk through. They keep out the stuff that's got contact poisons, yeah. and, uh, which seems like a good yeah, idea. Absolutely, <laughs> but
1: it's interesting that like there's areas that now like there are plants like that now that you know. But there mm-hmm. are plants like this, you know, so...
0: Yeah, yeah, it does make you wonder about how well the um, human settlements are doing in this environment, mm. right? Because they may not have as much uh, access to this information.
1: Which is uh, very interesting, because and- I feel like um, a bit late now, we are in the point where we are about a bit more about this stuff. Um, because mm. as, as they were talking, Akin suddenly tells Lilith that he sends someone between them and the river. And Lilith, like the trained operative she is, pretended to pull a cassava plant and having pretending to have a hard time with it while, you know, scanning the area around her for any movement. And although she couldn't see uh, the person, Akin told her it's a man, a human and a stranger. He says he could sense the adrenaline in him, meaning maybe excitation or fear but Lilith tells him that it's not fear because why would he fear if you're uh, a woman or a child, right? So, uh, but eventually Lilith is like with her super trained ears, like hears him around like a big Brazilian and he, uh, to which exa- excitedly Akin also responds that he can hear him. Uh, but Lilith's like, you know, be quiet cause, and hold tight because she may need to move fast.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay it's interesting that the uh the Brazil tree survived in this uh well maybe they reintroduced it potentially reintroduced
1: it because so. actually um later on we are told more about different plants so hmm. this this I think there is like some mutations some probably preserved um, because of their usefulness I guess
0: so the Brazil tree has a fairly fragile ecology that depends hmm. on an orchid a bee and a um, a small plant um, mammal called an agouti. Wait, we had we've
1: you described this yeah. before. We had this conversation before, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've mentioned this. Yeah, before. yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's interesting that this th- <laughs> this ecosystem still exists unless it was made the tree was more resilient or easier to pollinate and spread.
0: Hmm. I mean there are a couple of, I think it's like a couple of different possible be an orchid species mm-hmm. that might that can do that pollinating bit but uh, like the uh, uh, there might be something else that may be able to eat them but like mostly agoutis for the for breaking into the the mm-hmm. shells but yeah it's a pretty fragile ecology so unless the oancali preserve that i'm wondering how well it will have done having survived like major climate change and so on resulting from the nuclear war but you know i um,
1: i feel like nature is more resistant to things and more resilient than we give it credit so
0: yeah, well, I mean, like it, it, it's good at coming back, but like stuff often gets kind of reset, right? You know, the mass extinction oh, yeah, events. Absolutely. Like you get a major reduction in diversity because of stuff like that, right? You get like a a, a brittle, uh, a brittle set of connections between uh, uh, you know, those like, ecological relationships where they become very tightly mm. dependent, right? you break one of those and you get a chain reaction collapses in population because of those severed links, yep. right? Hence the massive reduction in in biodiversity you get in those periodic mass extinctions. Yeah. And then everything has to kind of build back up again to that level of complexity.
1: Which usually takes several thousands of years to actually mm-hmm. um, regain its, its original, um, or at least not original, but go back to the levels of diversity that were previously. But even then, it's still... It's fascinating the fact that mm. you know, like the the amount of extinction events, uh, that took place on Earth is actually quite substantial, and yet there is still enough preservation of the um, species to be able to to survive and evolve mm. to
0: to this level, right? Yeah, yeah. there's like well over ninety percent species lost in a couple of the past mass extinctions, um, and then we've you know come back to to much greater diversity afterwards. Mm.
1: So. Fascinating. Just I just imagine like being able to at least I don't know, I not a time machine and as such that you can go physically back, but like a time machine that you can observe the past, right to see. What mm. happened, right? That would be amazing. Like I would basically have it twenty four seven, just staring, just watching, like, like you know, just what species there, what was going on, like any events. It'd just be like.
0: I'm, I am, I'm certain I've read a piece of science fiction somewhere that had this as a as a premise somewhere in the. I can't remember what it was called now, but it was basically like a you know, they came up with some kind of weird, like, light-bending thing that would let you observe light incident in from the past and, by doing some weird light-bending thing with the hypothetical physics. And you had, like, an observatory that would let you just look at a particular point in time in mm-hmm. history. And from, But, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I, if anyone knows what that let is... Because it sounds let us fascinating.
1: Know. I would love to read this.
0: I can't remember anything else about the story other than that something like this existed in it, but...
1: Yeah. we can look for it later as well but please let us know if there's mm. a, if you remember if you know uh back to the chapter i guess uh to the man, because we are told that the man uh stopped moving he stepped into the view and akin saw something his a bow and an arrow a resistor so we are told here I wrote boom I was right there was a group of people who resisted <laughs> civil war here we come so I knew so I predicted there might be some resistant uh, group of resistance right
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah but you, you've been predicting the the presence of a resistance since <laughs> early on in the first book yeah,
1: yeah there's a group of people <laughs> yeah. who um, who refused to um, to to live with onkali but Surprise, surprise, they cannot re- uh, reproduce because don't Kali blocked the reproduction abilities. Um, but, mm. like, yeah, it's, it's, I love that it's called a resistor. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, uh, the fact that there is uh, and obviously humans that are like the uh, out there, it's just, I was like, finally, I was right on the long prediction. And I wonder, it, it's going to be definitely something about more about this later on. So, we're told that Akin heard about those resistors, humans who decide to live without Don Kali and thus without children. Sometimes they would steal the most human-looking construct children they could find, but that was stupid because they had no idea how the child would look like after metamorphosis. Also, Don Kali never let them keep the children anyway. <laughs> Which is, makes, yeah. <laughs> makes absolutely sense. Like, how stupid do you have to believe that if you steal a child... It's gonna look... I mean, unless they um they were able to steal a child and, like, keep them, you know, indoctrinate them against don the Kali, stuff like that, right? But then if... But even, but so, even right, so, If
0: you're resisting genetic assimilation with them and then you're kind of taking the children that are... Genetically
1: already co- constructs of... The, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, like, if the child yeah. grew as a, you know, again in a situation that even a child that was stolen by pure humans... Kept somewhere in isolation mm. for let's say 20 years or something and told mm. that it was a human right and then it encounters an onkali or another construct and the moment they touched and it realizes that oh I'm literally one of them I'm not a human because the it just it, the whole plan just breaks like a car in like a house of cards
0: yeah yeah that's uh it's kind of silly and, and mm. desperate um <laughs> basically. But, yeah. oh I don't know, I, I, I can still see this happening. Oh, yeah, uh, oh, 100%. I, this is I,
1: like, you know, I, yep. there's no chance, like, if it's anything, even if we talk about country, uh, invading another country, it'll always happen, like, the stuff like this, you know, uh, there's always going to be a resistance, and there's always going to be something like this. In some cases, it's more fruitful than the other, but in this case, this particular case, the onkali made humans infertile unless they're with onkali so there's no bloody chance that they will ever have it on a child unless a miracle mm.
0: yep <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's an interesting one because yeah I, I the it's one of the situations where i kind of i can see what that like from from just in experience with uh, the way things work in human societies right this would happen but i still can't get my head into the the mind space of, of someone who who decides to play it this way because it does makes no sense like,
1: like yeah. I mean unless they are oh, now because in the previous book we are told there are uh, um Lilith advises Nikanj to make sure that they don't tell the humans that they can't have children right the humans I think they're unaware there is, she suggested that mm. to let him go let them go um but make it in a way that those who come back, um, you know are always welcome but like they do it from their own um decision and not because they were coerced because um, yeah, yeah. otherwise know they will be slaughtered right so mm. this, this is I think very important that uh, like crucial distinction in this case is because may, some of probably those humans are not aware or start well I mean a few years pass, probably they're probably aware now that there's something wrong that people are trying to have children mm. and they can't have them
0: and they can't yeah that's you know if you if you're in the position where you you know that you can't uh or you have in, inferred from the fact that no one seems to be able to have kids that you can't have kids with humans then it's like you're faced with the choice between either deciding not to have kids or deciding to compromise on your principle of like you know uh in, interbreeding with the Onca- yeah oh, onkali to yeah. have kids uh, the, the the having the middle ground of of denying that that's in fact what you're doing is just like uh, mm. um, what's the point yeah, right absolutely
1: <laughs> uh, so yeah it's, it's 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 interesting um it's an interesting aspect but that there is there is always going to be some sort of resistance from the people who always going, want to go back to the good old times but the good old times never existed. It's always the same crap. It's just different time, uh, as- different things associated with that particular age. But anyway, that's a bit of a rant on the side. <laughs> um.
0: Rosie <laughs> retrospective. Yes. <bias>. Yes.
1: Exactly. Liv <laughs> then proceeds to confront the man, telling him that English is the only human spoken language uh, here in the village. It comfor- comf- um, comforted uh Akin that she neither sounded or smelled frightened. It held him helped to diminish his own fear. The man said he heard her speaking to someone, so Lilith warned Akin to hold tight because the rodeo might, be, might might get wild. Um, and Akin was like wishing, like holding too desperately to uh, Lilith, you know, with his feet in the hands, wishing he was stronger. Um, Lilith continues to like keep talking to the man Telling him that the village is in the away and he's welcomed there as it's going to rain soon and there's food, but the man didn't ask angrily with whom she was speaking. So Lilith's is like, "Yeah, my son on my back," and mm-hmm. that's when like you know the man picked at Akin and he and Akin also like, oh you know his curiosity overwhelmed the fear and he's like, "Oh, who who's that?" And this is what mm-hmm. the book describes uh, from uh, the man looked like. The man was shirtless, black-haired, clean-shaven, and stocky. His hair was long and hung down his back. He had cut it off in a straight line across his forehead. So he had like this weird, weird fringe. (laughs) Sometimes about him, (laughs) something about him reminded akin of the picture he had seen of Joseph. The man's eyes were narrow like Joseph's, but his skin was almost as brown as Lilith. And the conversation continued with the man saying the kid looks good, but asked what's wrong with him. To which Lilith goes like nothing yeah uh, it's like the man you know hasn't seen a baby since before the war and asked lil why ha- was she allowed to have a son how's your mother was allowed to have a boy was lilith's response i just love lilith this this chapter is like one she's like complete oper- operative like uh mode then she just completely like mm. destroys the man and the conversations it's just like it's just like chef's kiss
0: mm. <laughs> yeah and it's kind of a An interesting way of asking that question straight out, you know, what's wrong with (laughs) (laughs) him? Nothing, like, what's wrong? (laughs) What? Yeah. That's a bit of a rude question. It's just
1: not rude, it just makes no sense, Mm -hmm. the question. It's just like, what's wrong with him? It's like, you see a person the first time and just, like, it makes you feel like shit, basically. Because, like, what's wrong with me? Do I Mm. look weird? Do I look like, I don't know, something's wrong with me?
0: Uh, I assume that's what all the other construct children... uh, ...are experiencing... Uh, ...deal with, right? Yeah, because they're often more visibly different in some way. So there is an expectation, it seems, that they will be... uh, ...different. uh, ...will have something wrong with them, quote-unquote, and have something different about them. Uh, But...
1: It's not wrong, yeah. it's just different in a way, but anyway, this is... Exactly. Uh, anyway, let's go back to the man's perspective. So the man approached uh, Lilith abruptly, uh, try, standing straight and glaring, trying to intimidate her. Um, obviously, it doesn't to work on Lilith. Um, she dealt with much <laughs> worse in the past. He then proceeded to tell Lilith that he's a human. There's nothing Kali about him and no one told his parents when and whether they could have kids and what sex would that kid be and how was she i.e. Lilith, allowed to have a boy. Lilith responds to that mm. because she asked and then faster than light snatched the man's bow off his hands and snapped in half in like a twig. And then she's like, after doing that, she's like, yeah, then come, please come to our village, you know, like, you know, it's like a boss, like complete, you know, uh, as like this like natural be uh, response that saying he is not allowed to go to the village with a weapon. And the man, like, mm. then shaking and says, like, he mistook her for a human because she looks completely human. To which, which Lilith tells him that she was born 26 years before yep. the war. Mm-hmm. She was human, but she had other children in the village and she won't allow him to have any weapons among them. And although saying that, she had a machete in her eyes as the man's eyes notice it. But she proceeds to explain that it's a tool. So, you know.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I, I, I say there's a little bit of a. Um... Anyway, certainly a bit of a power move, but it's also a little bit of a, an ultimate bit of a, move, a, like... a sort of rude thing to do to someone in, in, in the like first interaction. Right? Like, a bow is a difficult thing to make, right? That's yeah. like That's an investment of time and energy. That's an expensive bit of you have uh, to find the... uh, equipment that she's just like trashed. Absolutely,
1: You have to find a good quality wood that's elastic enough and also strong enough so it doesn't snap under the, the, the pool. You have to find good source of like, good type of glue possibly from like mm-hmm. cooking like fish or some animal like um skin to get that collagen glue what's usually what you used to making bows then you have to find you know um, weave a string enough strong enough so that it doesn't snap um a- under mm-hmm. pressure so it is a quite substantial time involvement and skill to do to create such mm-hmm. thing and the, this is what the now the man is like though when he, she explains to her like he actually explains to him like oh there's no weapons the man next though doesn't believe her that she's human because that was a heavy bow and no human should be able to mm. take it away from him especially woman and break it that's the way a heavy bow indicates like we're talking about a bow that has probably at least 60 pounds of you know um uh, pa- uh, power force pressure I don't know power mm. I think it's like pull power right uh, yeah pull, pull, weight. pull, pull weight, weight weight is i think the term so yeah. it's you it, whoever whatever the man made right is a substantial piece of like a tool that's I, my heart would break i personally think if, if i
0: <laughs> yeah if someone just if i, if I especially if he made mm, it mm. <laughs> if i had made that i'd have been pissed if someone just grabbed it and it's broke like, it <laughs>
1: Why? Like I had to find mm-hmm. this, part you know, good quality wood that's elastic enough, and it has to be proper, like shape and like you know, it takes time. And if you make a mistake, if you like carve it too much, and you know? also mm-hmm. the tools to make to carve it out, like do you use a stone knife? That's gonna take forever to make in it itself. It's just like, ah, oh, how could you live? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was a power move.
0: Yeah. I don't know the guy doesn't seem as put out as <laughs> by the fact that she broke his bow as i feel like he should probably yes. have been but I, don't know. I think he's probably just too scared of the fact that she just did that so fast that he didn't even have time exactly. to respond that he's uh, yeah
1: and this is another power move here mm. in the book akin watched lilith ignore the man and just proceed to collect the food that she was you know originally was planning and then tell him that it's good that mm. he's here because the two of them will be able to carry more food to the village and it's just like, wow, like this is absolute complete destruction of the any sort of... The man has no standing at this point. Like He's, he's been completely uh, decimated at this interaction.
0: <laughs> yep, I think he's been uh, thoroughly put in his place before he's uh, allowed to come in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh, but this is where it's interesting about the previous conversation we had about the plants and vegetables. So one of the things she collected was a quad an Onkali vegetable that um, uh, Akin really liked and then Skigi Skigi. Mm. Uh,
0: I'm not sure I that a plant absolutely. that
1: Onkali made from <laughs> so a war mutated earth plant and it had a taste and texture of a flesh of an extinct animal the pig so that's interesting they, they made a plant that tastes mm. basically like bacon Yeah. A, basically <laughs> a vegan wet dream <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, yeah i mean it's kind of like the the ho- holy grail of the whole like uh you a know, fake meat or like lab-grown meat yeah. industry I- right <laughs> it would be to have a, a plant that tastes like oh my bacon God, yes
1: <laughs> like i mean this the stock price for this company would like skyrocket like, overnight just uh, <laughs> i just imagine mm-hmm. that would be f- so funny like
0: i think the the quad isn't that we encountered quad before you? in book one, right? I think it was, it was like cheese-like or something, maybe? Am I misremembering that? I, can't, I remember it being a thing in one of the Oankali oh, foods in the... Uh, in I the remember book.
1: they mentioned something like cheese-like when, I think there was something about Paul Titus when she met Paul Titus and there was like, you know, things that resembled he had like something resembling a burger uh, yeah, 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 Um, but yeah. it was all plant-based but um, and very similar mm. taste but I don't remember if there was any name given to it,
0: yeah. I think it, it wasn't in that context. There was another, another time? um, another oh, okay. reference okay. to it, yeah. When, when they were talking about uncali oh, okay. food, but yeah. no,
1: I don't remember, yeah. unfortunately. Um, Lilith then asked proceeds to ask quietly, uh, uh, Akin to watch the man using his eyes and then proceed to go back to the village without even waiting for the man on the power move. Um, the man took a second, you know, like, like completely, you know, taken back. He's like, Yeah, this is just. Broke my bow, completely destroyed me in uh, the mental gymnastics, and I just walking casually all- away. It's like I have no standing whatsoever. Like yeah, my <laughs> social status is, is just completely been degraded to
0: a loser. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that he actually uh, yeah follows, yeah he's just but, like uh, it's like
1: oh and then he just keeps running after her it's like he wasn't sure what to make of Lilith. He says. Um, but Lily yep. said to him that it seems to be first time for him to visit the trading village and which is mm. we're given the name of the what type of village or how they call those villages between humans and Kali and the mm. man proceeds mm. to tell that he still remembers you know cars TV computers I would miss computers when I would, if that something happened like that that was probably the biggest it, heartbreak it, yeah, for that me would, that would be a yeah. problem <laughs> god damn His parents also uh, remember and want to go back to the pre-war days, knowing though it's impossible, so he left them. Interesting, he says that his parents both survived and are alive, and don't even look older than he does now. He said that maybe they could join one of the trading villages and have more kids, but they refused to do so. Um... And then when asked about what about him, he says he doesn't know. He hasn't seen enough yet to decide. Lilith then reached out to touch his arm as a form of sympathy. But he catches her, obviously, Lilith allowing him to do so. examining her wrist and hand and saying, it's like, oh, she is a human because it's like something about the hands. But then after some time, after Mm. letting her go, saying she's a human, Lilith tells him that, you know, he can just ask people and they will tell him because they have no problem telling what combination they are. Um, Mm -hmm. he asks if he could look at Akin but Liv tells him no, not the way he is at the moment but the man says that he would never hurt a child no matter what they are he then asks again the question what's wrong with him but Liv says nothing so then he corrects and says what's different and Liv tells him there's internal differences, rapid mental development perceptual differences and the metamorphosis he'll look different but no one knows how much because it's first time a human born Hmm. male or construct Yeah, it's an
0: interesting approach Lilith is taking here. It's just like uh, answering the question flat until you rephrase it in such a way that uh, is actually a reasonable question. Honestly, it's
1: just like Lilith's (laughs) being on Mm. a ball. I love her so much. This this chapter is like, there's no, you can't be Lilith at this point. It's just like, acknowledge that and just move on. Uh, the man asks Lilith if the baby can talk to, which Lilith says all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you won't shut up.
1: <laughs> a little shit will just not stop talking. Uh, so the man just goes and starts a conversation with Akin, calling him out as a baby. And Akin goes like, immediately just like, my name is Akin. What's your name?
0: <laughs>
1: so, so the man is like, what? Yeah. Like, how old is he? But Akin like, just refuses to answer. So on uh, like and the lift says mm-hmm. like yeah you, he will answer but just tell him his name so the man, uh like what, so tells him to introduce himself, to Akin. So then he can have the rest of the conversation happening. So mm-hmm. even Akin pulls a power move on the man. Like I just feel sorry. He's just keeping, like <laughs> yeah. kicking a lying man basically at this point.
0: Yeah. So unless you're gonna you know introduce yourself <laughs> properly and treat me like a human being, I'm exactly. all, to all the
1: manners like of the conversation.
0: Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, uh feeling the um the general disorientation <laughs> no at this point, i think the man is uh... like what
1: is happening in this life like what is my life at this point so while this yep. conversation was happening akin was like observing the human so we we're told more about like how he looks and we know that like we're told there's some jagged scar on his shoulder there's a he has a missing smallest like small toe a small stone in his right foot and that he has other body scars so he, the man must have survived quite a lot without, like, had to, um, I guess, experience hmm. a lot to survive without the onkali help because I think things like, oh yeah, any country would never allow things like this happen to to any of the humans.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I imagine if you get injured and you have an uloi nearby, then yeah, you heal without scars. Yeah,
1: yeah. So like, no, like, oh, I lost hmm. my heart, such a shame, and then it's just like, <laughs> like, just grows it back. <laughs> I just imagine yeah. like. Uh, you know those like extreme sports like flourishing in those populations a lot just like oh you know i'm just gonna jump <laughs> off the cliff just you know without any parachute just like, yeah let's see how it's gonna go broken up the old kali just heals you up it's like oh that was cool let's do it again huh <laughs> uh
0: yeah that's a <laughs> possibility right uh, the the uh <laughs> like how much further would people go on the extreme sports <laughs> thing if they uh could yeah it's like oh wasn't it um the uh the rick and morty episode where they go to the place with the immortality field and everyone's just oh like yes yes another.
1: yes yes and then morty <laughs> destroys the field and suddenly it's like the kid is i remember it was the kid that was dead and it's like Whoa! it's like yeah
0: yeah yeah it's like a it's like a, like a two-second clip that just like destroys you it's just the same way that everything in rick yeah, and morty it's does like it's oh my just, god like like god, oh that's so dark brilliant <laughs> Uh, so hmm.
1: finally the man gives up and tells his name Augustino Lille but people call him Tino and then Akin goes shall I call you that and he's like he's always like, sure why not I just found like the, the conversation the sentences that Akin uses are so like I don't know like very adult like very like I don't know hmm. um, ma- like old man style of speech and the man's just like really taken aback um, yeah yeah and then uh, Tino repeats the question about the age and Akin tells him he's nine months old and this is like, okay, can you walk? And he say, and Akin goes, yeah, it's too early for me but, uh, you know, eventually I'll, I can stand if I have support but, you know, <laughs> it's just like, okay, mm. a nine-month-old <laughs> is telling me all this information, what is life? <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, it's uh, definitely a confusing experience, especially if he has, like, (laughs) I imagine he has a very childlike voice as opposed to the, like, deep version that you're doing, but, like, yes, it would be uh, a, yeah, very So this is the
1: thing, like, interesting uh, also perspective that I completely forgot about, like, you know, Tino then goes, um, tries to reach his face, right, and Nakin quickly grabs his uh, finger and puts it in his mouth to study it, but Tino Mm -hmm. thinks it's like, oh, you know, Oh, it's good you still have those baby responsive, you know, like still. But in reality, Akin was mm. just basically studying his genetical uh, imprint, and is like, okay. And Lilith is yeah. like Akin, and he's like, okay, because <laughs> and so Akin just stops because, it's frustra- <laughs> but it frustrates him that he wanted to study the human more thoroughly. And um, mm, mm. Tino asks Lilith, if Akin is smart this smart now, why is it going to be in the future? And Lilith tells him that, like, she isn't sure to be honest because. The only other male constructs mm. so far on Kaliborn, born Born on Onkali mothers, and if he's going to be like them, he'll have so many interests and so unhu and they'll be so unhuman that he will probably keep him to himself a lot, and you know, mm. and asked like you know, uh, it doesn't really bother her though when she when was when she was asked and Tino says her to her that she didn't have to have kids but Lilith says as it happens she did have to. Um, she had two conjure kids by the time she was brought down from the ship, so we already know how many kids there were. And mm. she never had the chance to run away and try to bring the good old days back. The man said nothing. If he stayed long enough, he would learn that Lilith had these flares of bitterness sometimes. Um, so we're talking about we're talking a bit more about Lilith. That you know she had this bitterness mm-hmm. flares, and they never affected her behavior, although. They frightened people around Lilith. Sometimes she would be like... Um, she would go out to a forest for several days without any not- notice. And um, Margaret said to Akin that there is, so- there is something trying to get out. Something terrible in Lilith. And if there's something... Um, um, there's something on the verge of surfacing. Lilith would just go alone to the forest and stay by herself for a few days. Um, initially... Akin's older sister said that they used to worry that she would leave and never come back. So, it's interesting that she, that there's like this, you know, Lilith still is like, cannot accept the fact that she you know, this whole situation was pushed on top, like, on, on her shoulders and this whole situation with the Onkali and the humans.
0: Yeah, yeah, she's uh, definitely still having a hard time with this whole thing uh, which is entirely understandable but, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that it, it never seems to to work its way into her behavior in in other regards, right? She's never
1: I mean uh, we know that you know, Liv is uh, tough, right? She was always like a lot mm. of things never like like surface over her like you know, a fish in the water, right? She she things would happen, but she would mm. still power through, so
0: mm. um, and she was very effective at kind of um you know, actually behaving in a way that pursued whatever the kind of end goal was, even if she felt very yeah. uncomfortable with w- what she was having she, to do, right? She was, she was always, you know, able yeah. to do it, even though uh, she didn't particularly like she it. She was
1: always focused on the long-term um, result rather than the short-term um, one. Hmm,
0: hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hmm.
0: Which I think is a an interesting trait that um, their kind of lack of... Um, Acrasia uh I think is the the word to describe it right the the gap between the like uh sort of intent to do a thing and the ability mm-hmm. to do it yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah she's uh, she's very good at that
1: so this is what interesting and like adds to this uh, very description the last the chapter ends up with the following conversation they force you to have mm. kids, the man asked one of them surprised me, she said it made me pregnant then told me about it said it was giving me what I wanted, but would never come out and ask for. Was it? Yes. She shook her head from side to side. Oh, yes. But if I had the strength not to ask, it should have had the strength to let me alone. That's where the chapter ends. And I think this is very... Mm. First time, really, an insight of like... Not maybe first time, but like... Of what... How bitter Lilith is about... It's called having children and the throwing it at her right mm-hmm.
0: yeah and I, I, and it, 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 I think it relates back to, to what I was just saying about about acrasia that this uh, like Lilith has this very uh, like strong ability to do what she like you know intellectually decides is the thing that she should be doing um, which is you know in this case not having children um, but that may well be kind of out of alignment with um, viscerally how she feels. Right, uh, so you know she's still able to, to sort of overpower the visceral feeling, as it were. But that, I think, is what's um, that's what makes her particularly um, makes her particularly suited to this role that Leo and Kalia mm-hmm. put her in, but also makes her quite different from them. It makes them it makes it a little bit trickier for them to understand her sometimes because I feel like they have, um, I think I've talked about this before. The, this idea, I, I think, of, of them being kind of more closely aligned with their like intellectual intent yeah. and their biological yeah, yeah, intent. Yeah. Right. They, they they very much have those two things sort of in concert. And uh, we humans even now, not, let alone in, in mm-hmm. this situation, are kind of like somewhat misaligned between those two things because we live in an environment that's very different from where our um, uh, sort of uh, sensory intuitions, as it were, were calibrated. Right. You know, the whole um, super stimuli problem that we face in the, the modern world of, of you know mars bars and and it's stuff that's got like a high fat sugar salt content right you can hijack all of the stuff that was calibrated to work well in the ancestral environment and Mm. make it do stuff that does not (laughs) yeah right Uh, that that same situation is is kind of present here right but uh, uh the the ability to 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 handle that difference well is what lilith has but the the lack of that difference is, I think, what the the Orancali have because they're able to so sort of plastically alter their biology. They just move what they kind of they, they move their biological incentives to be in line with their, mm-hmm. their intellectual ones, and they don't have to deal with the Akrasia. So it's a uh, a, a different um, a different set of uh, challenges for them. So un- understanding people who have that difference, I think, is is, is alien to them.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I understand. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Mm. It's interesting. I think it's, we're given a lot of perspective on, like, the the Onkali, that there's another Onkali cast in a way like, this the version of Onkali that, you know, takes care of the ship. Um, I just imagine more mm. of, like, being, like, a very thick-skinned caterpillar that basically just... Walks around the surface of the ship and that just sort of like tends to any problems or like detects any like issues, um, to heal it or something or stimulate the ship to like to put more resources of recovering yeah. in this area, and then I did, imagine.
0: Did they explicitly say if the that Oankali type is is can like uh, expose itself to hard vacuum? No, they didn't say. Didn't say anything.
1: No. No. Um, no. but like. It is interesting that they like that we are told about this, and we're told about like you know that there's more about uh, there's we're told more about the Ollis family, how the con you know the human Onkali constructs live like, um these two chapters were really packed with a lot of information to like to to, to think about right, and the the the, the existence mm-hmm. of resistance and you know confirmation that there is population of humans that are fighting back well fighting is maybe a strong mm-hmm. word but you know they are resisting this whole idea
0: yeah and there seem to be a, a variety of different human enclaves with different like language speaking yes. groups so there's, you know, there's a, a Chinese village and
1: an English speaking uh, village so uh, so it religion. feels like that yeah. there is still some cultural separation in a way right but it's on a scale that's mm. much much smaller we're not told like how yeah, much yeah. the we're separate because i know there's a safe like haven let's say on earth there's a region where the radioactivity hasn't affected that much so maybe they're all within that i think region. it may,
0: yeah i'm not sure how how far they they spread i uh, i forget exactly um and but the i mean we we learned from um you know the fact that lith was was okay in south america that that persisted for quite a while um and so i think the one of the least affected areas was apparently the you know the rainforests mm-hmm. in that region so perhaps that's why they're back there
1: potentially yeah um, it just it was really full of information interesting two chapters and and i think the next one is gonna give us even more information about like this is my prediction for the next chapter is that like you know they go back to the village and we're told more about like the humans than the onkali that live there like I bet there's gonna be something interesting more about the family. Maybe we meet more of the family members, or maybe we meet
0: to the, to, ch- yeah, to the yeah, trading yeah, village, the trading the, village, the one yeah, where yeah. Lives. and yeah, we're told
1: yeah. more of like mm-hmm. like who lives in there, like lives other family members, mm-hmm. like other daughters and other you know children, uh, maybe even some mm-hmm. old of the um, uh, old humans that we were introduced in chapter one, uh, book one, sorry.
0: Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to uh, resolving sure. your predictions. <laughs>
1: oh God, you're so good at this. Like, you just keep your mouth shut. I'll be like vomiting out all the information at you at this point if we swap the roles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it, it helps. That it's been a little while I since read I posts, uh, yeah. read these, and I'm, I'm, you know, rereading them with you as we go. So, <laughs> the uh, I, I don't have Lilith's memories. So <laughs> <laughs> I can sound mysterious and just have no recollection of what's about to happen next.
1: <laughs> Good way to, li- to 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 pretend that like, "Oh yeah, maybe." In reality, no no real no recollection at all. Good approach to it. Anyway, anyway. You never know. I guess on that note, Um, thank you everyone for listening Um, we're Xenothesis you can find all the places we upload our podcast on our website xenothesis.com I was Michael Klinka
0: I was Richard Acton bye